Oh, let's lift our hearts with our hands. I love you, Jesus. And I bless and praise and worship you, my Father. You are the God of gods and the King of kings, and you alone we gather together in your name to worship you. Thank you, Jesus, for this beautiful truth of the Scriptures. Touch our hearts this morning. And everybody said praise the Lord. Praise you have a Bible this morning. I'm sure somebody will share with you. We only preach the Word of God here, chapter and verse, subject matter. No theory, no commentary, no ideas of men or women or organizations, denominations or traditions of men. We reject all of those things, and we believe the Word of God. That is the challenge this morning, to believe His Word. And if you have a Bible, I'm going to read for you from the book of Matthew, Matthew's account of the gospel. There is one gospel, just one, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John each were used of the Spirit to give us an account of that one gospel. Matthew's account, chapter 11, so good to have each and every one of you here today. I want you to soak up presence of the Lord. Matthew chapter 11, the very last verse of chapter 11, verse 30. Jesus said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Everybody said easy. Second Corinthians this morning, along with what we've just read, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Just work your way forward a little bit. And you'll come to 1st and then 2nd Corinthians. <clears throat> if you'll look at <coughs> chapter 11, please. One verse, verse 3. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled or deceived, Eve, through his subtlety, in other words, his craftiness, his cunningness, he was a con artist, he was a scammer, okay, he used every trick he could, <clears throat> and so he, through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The root word of simplicity is simple. I'd like to minister this morning on simple and easy. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. <clears throat> you know, the Bible teaches that this group of people at the time in which they were living, that they sat in darkness. They were surrounded by the law, and the law was given by God through Moses. And that's where you have the first, particularly the first five books of the Old Testament. Jewish refer to it as the Torah. 
lived under the law, there were teachings there for every phase of your life, for your worship, for the part that dealt with daily living. Everything was covered under the law. The Scripture teaches that at that time when Jesus sent John the baptizer and he came to make his path straight, prepare the way of the Lord, he began to baptize people. The Bible teaches that the people sat in darkness. <clears throat> but when John, on that glorious and eventful day, lifted up his eyes and encouraged everybody else to do that, he said, Behold or look. And he got them looking in the right direction. And as they looked in the right direction, they saw Jesus coming down over the hill. When Jesus came, the Bible teaches, and great light began to spring up. People that sat in darkness and couldn't see and were stumbling and hurting themselves continually in life, many self-inflicted wounds, things they did to themselves, things that were done to them by others, organizations and people with different motives, and uh, people just found themselves in a great big mess. Religion was complicated. They had taken the Word of God from the law, and they had added so much of their own ideas, and they had subtracted so many of God's thoughts, intents, and plans from His Word that there was great complexity. People were confused. That's part of why they sat in darkness. They were in confusion. They didn't know what was up, what was down, what was right, and what was left, what would work any longer. They just didn't know anymore. And they were under the thumb of the religious people in their area. For whatever, I'm your great uncle, or, you know, you've been around me for so long, you do this. And the peer pressure, one man, the Bible said, young man, was healed by Jesus Christ. And the Scripture teaches that the religious people, who were aunts and uncles and cousins and brothers and sisters and double first cousins and twice removed on somebody's side and all of that, they brought pressure to bear on this young man. And they said, how did this happen? He said, well... <laughs> He told me, to, you know, he touched me and he put something on my eyes. He told me to go wash and I did what he said. And now I can see. How come you're not happy? But they weren't happy. They were mad. They were upset. Because they were about their glory. They were about them being some kind of big shot. And them reaping some reward and controlling people not for the people's good, but for their own benefit. And so the Scripture teaches that this individual, when he stood up for what was right, they made fun of him and they turned their back on him and they went and found his parents. And they began to badger and pressure the parents, begin to talk down to them. And the parents were afraid. Uh-oh, they're going to put us out of the where we go to church. They're not going to let us come there anymore. They're, they're going to turn us out. They're going to be ugly. We're not going to get invited to the fish fry anymore. 
And so they, they copped out. They did the politician thing. No comment. Go ask him. He's old enough. He's over 21. Go ask him. So they went back to him again. They went back to this man that was healed, this young man that was healed. And he said, I told you before, and I'm going to tell you the same thing. I'm not changing my story here. This really happened. It's not a fairy tale. You know I was blind, and now I can see. He did it. They said, well, he's a devil. He casteth out the devil by the devil. <laughs> that made a lot of sense. Well, I'm telling you about darkness and confusion. I'm telling you about things can get very complex, very difficult to figure out. That it becomes very hard to deal with because it doesn't make any sense. Let me tell you about evil spirits. There is no logic in an evil spirit. There, you, can, you, you think you can take some of the problems that people have and that you can talk to them or you can counsel them or you can pet them and try to make them feel good. But you see, spirits don't respond to that. Now, spirits know how to play possum. They know how to lay low. They know how to quiet down and let you think everything's all right. And it probably will be for about two hours. <laughs> and then you'll have that same old problem rise up again and that same old situation. And, you know, we wind up at funerals and everybody leaves and back to the same old thing. We got children that get involved with premarital sex have a child at 12 or 13 years old. And then they get that passed. They pass the baby to grandma or mom, mom or grandma, and they go on, and what happens? Happens again. And then we got two. Same problem, same pattern, same situations, and things get difficult. Things get hard. The load gets heavy. You keep getting a little older. Pretty soon, some certain years have passed you by. Your childhood, your teenage years, your young womanhood and manhood have passed by. And we're, we're still in darkness. We're still in confusion. The way is hard. And it's difficult. It's complex. The, 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 the answer seems so far away from us. The drugs enter in. The street is there. The call of it. People that are hanging out, the things that they get involved with, the things that they do, and the things that they look up to. And as life goes on, people find themselves deeper and deeper in a darkness that the Bible called a gross darkness. It's a hard, callousing darkness. And their hearts, not here, that's your physical heart, right here, your mind, your heart, the seat of your thoughts and your emotions, your feelings, that gets glazed over with callousness, hardness, and you're not feeling what you need to feel. Chasing all the wrong feelings, going in all the wrong directions. What? You thought I was going to pat you on the back this morning? You thought I was going to tell you how good you are? No, I'm going to tell you how, how much we need him. I'm going to, by his grace, tell you how to break that bad pattern and how to how to get out of those shackles that's on your mind and those handcuffs that's on your mind and how you can break out of, of that which has made you a captive.
and put you in a, in, a, in a prison in your mind. Got your spirit in prison, but the Bible said Jesus went and preached to the spirits that were in prison. He knows how to penetrate to your mind. He knows how to preach to your inner man and woman that is captive in your mind there. That spirit, that will, that cannot seem to, what did Paul say in his teaching? He said, that which I would, I don't do it. That which is, I should do, in other words, I don't, I don't find the power to do it. I can't find the will to do it. He said, I, I do find that there's something evil by me, though, a presence that's not good, and that which I would not, that's what I do. I would do. I find myself doing that. One celebrity in this world wasn't famous for me, but he was a celebrity in this world. He was caught on videotape, maybe a video phone, but he was caught there and he was at a drug party and he kept saying over and over, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do this. I don't need to be here. I, I need to get out of here just before he took the dope. It was just a couple of days before he, they found him dead in his swell penthouse. But he was just as dead as if he'd been laying in the gutter. How confusing it gets. How complicated it gets. How tragic it can get. And it is tragic. And I'll tell you why it's tragic. Because Jesus has made it simple and easy. It's not difficult. It is, it is not something that takes an Einstein to figure it out. It is, it is not something that is hard for you when we do not do what he says. Then when we do not follow his example, when we do not take his commandment, that's when it's hard. That's when it's difficult. What we're looking for is that great light to spring up and show us that straight and narrow path that leads to everlasting life. And we can see the steps that are left by others in front of us and we can begin to walk in those steps. He even said, I'll set your feet in those steps. I will help you. This isn't, it isn't a difficult thing. Now, we have great disparity of ages here this morning. So if you're at a certain age where some things have happened in your life, you don't take offense at what we're saying. You tell yourself, at any moment, any time, we can get this fixed, and we can go on from there. That's what the born-again experience is all about. It's to give you a second chance, another chance, we are born losers. We all fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned, but we can be reborn winners. We can be washed in His blood. We can be filled with His Spirit. But I'm sure you want a measure of gospel prevention to keep these children out of the gutter, out of the sin, out of the problem. We'd like to prevent that if, we, if they'll listen. We'd like to prevent that. So don't let the devil tell you, oh, too late for me. I'm on number 14. That's not the way to think. I was 20 years old when God, 
allowed me to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and he filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I had 20 years of history behind me, and it was not a good history. You hear me? It was a sinful history. It was a history of somebody that was lost and in difficulty and complexity and couldn't find his way from one step to the next to go in the right direction, always falling by the wayside and doing the wrong thing, running with the wrong crowd and getting messed up. It's just the grace of God that I survived to 20 years old to hear the truth, have it witnessed to me so that I could obey it. And God could change my life for the good. He didn't do anything for me that he won't do for you. In the next 40 years, boy, I'm telling my age. What's wrong with you, son? I know there's some good mathematicians out there. so I see some of the good ones. I told you. Oh, yeah. I had one young lady. She used her fingers and her toes. I said, what are you going to do when you run out? She goes, shoulders. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, I'm telling you, the next 40 years have been the best years, the greatest years, the most wonderful years. No regrets, no complaints. Don't want to look back. Want to go forward. You hear me? I want to go forward. I want, I want that light to keep shining there and help me to keep going down that path and keep redirecting me away from the broad and the wide that leads to destruction. I want to be corrected. I want to make adjustments. I want to humble. I want what's easy, and I want what's simple. Let's take a poll. How many, how many of you want a miracle? Right? Sure you do. Sure you do. That's right. You want a miracle. Well, let me tell you about the first New Testament Bible recorded miracle and why that happened. The Bible teaches that in the days of his earthly ministry, Jesus attended a wedding. Doesn't tell me why he went, but evidently there was an invitation. And they were at the wedding, and he was with his mother. He escorted his mother. And as they're sitting there, and with him was the disciples, those that had been listening to his teaching, his tutoring, his training, that they had dropped everything and said, this is the most important thing. I'm going to do this. And so they became his disciples. And they were there with him and his mother. She mothered that flesh. She didn't mother what was in that flesh, because what was in that flesh was the fullness of the Spirit of the Almighty God. Okay? Okay. He's the one that spoke the Word, and that's what produced the child, the flesh, and she brought forth the flesh. She was the willing vessel that God could speak the word and she would do. And how shall this be? She's scratching her head. And Mama didn't say nothing about that when he said the birds and the bees. And he said, well, honey, I made the birds and the bees. I make the rules. I'm the lawgiver. And that which is conceived in you is of my word. I'm saying it so and it shall be. And that's the same power and authority that makes that cancer go away 
and the doctor can't find it on the x-ray. We got x-ray number one, and we got all this cancer. We got x-ray number two, and in between there was prayer. We got x-ray number two, and we can't find it. You go home now, and you have a nice day. That doesn't happen just once. That happens day in and day out around the world. So there they sat at the wedding. Now Mary is a type of the church. She's given you a picture of the church, what the church is. The church has always been likened to a female. And as she's there at the wedding, being observant, you know, the church will teach you to observe. The church will teach you to see the things that are real and important and the need and what to do about it. So the right way to discern things, to have compassion, not sympathy. Big difference. The devil uses sympathy. Sympathy is a human emotion driven by the wrong spirit. Big difference between that and godly compassion. That's a different lesson. So Mary is observant, and she sees elbows Jesus he leans over a little bit and inclines his ear she leans over and speaks in his ear and she said they have no wine they've run out of high C <laughs> they've run out of iced tea they run out of what they drink here they don't, they don't have any this grape juice is, it's all gone and Jesus looks at her and says mm-hmm. and what do I have to do with you woman now you don't get too far with mom like that but they had an understanding. And she never even responded to him saying that. She just simply looked at the disciples. And here is what brought about the miracle. Oh, the miracle was that Jesus turned the water into wine. And people were just, wow. Most everybody gets the best grape juice up front and gets the watered-down stuff later on. He said, but you saved the best for the last. Oh, don't you be sad in the time in which you're living. And the devil's pouring it on all around us. You tell yourself, my God has saved the best for the last. He's got something really great in store for his church in these last of the last days. We're not going to hang our head. Our tail is not going to be between our legs. And we're not going to be sad and downcast. We're going to have faith in our God who can do all great and wonderful and marvelous things. Oh, that we would praise him for what he's already done. And praise him for what he's presently doing. And then we're going to praise him for what he's about to do. What brought about that great miracle? How did that miracle take place? Well, you could say, power of God. Well, yes, that's true. But we haven't got there yet. We hadn't got to that power of God yet. The miracle hasn't taken place yet. I'm trying to tell you why the miracle took place. Because the church spoke and said, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. I wonder if we couldn't just focus on what Jesus said. 
Now, no names. You know, the Bible talked about Jesus said something one time and everybody got convicted of their own conscience. He didn't have to call any names that day. Um, but I have some young men scattered throughout the building that, um, you know, you can say, um, have so-and-so give me a call. I need to talk to him. Next thing you know, somebody calls that you never asked about. So-and-so said you want me to call you. And I said, no, I didn't. I never said your name at all. No, 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 I didn't. You know, you know? maybe if we could focus on what he says. Maybe if we could pay attention to what he's saying. Because, you know, seriously, to, to say to somebody on their cell phone, I, I would like for you to have so-and-so to call me right now. I need to talk to them. And 60 seconds later, somebody that you never mentioned their name calls you. Now that tells you that the person that you spoke to wasn't paying attention. They didn't get the simple instruction. They did not. Oh, I could give you so many examples right now, but I don't want to take the time. Just figure out that it's all about the same. The names and the dates are changed and a few of the descriptions to protect the innocent, but there it is. It's about the same that somebody's not paying attention. But Jesus was there, and what better thing than to have Jesus there Let's not waste his time. Let's not act like it doesn't matter. And we got to be careful because you know what? When we come together in his name, two or three of us, he promised to be there. So let's not take it for granted. Let's not say, oh, he's always there. Yeah, he's always there to do something good. And you said you want a miracle. Now, how can I get my miracle? church instructed and said whatsoever he saith unto you do it now that ought to take somebody and say I'm all ears you have my full and undivided attention and of course Jesus gave instructions didn't he he gave out very simple instructions but once again I have some very wonderful young people who are running out the door. And then they'll stop at the door about 50 feet back there, 60 feet back there, and they'll turn around and say, where'd you, where'd you tell me to go? What, what was that you said? You, you wanted me to do what? Almost out the door, almost in the car, keys jingling in their hand. Oh, I, I ran off and didn't get the instructions. Let's focus on what he said. In Luke's account of the gospel, verse thir chapter 13, verse 3, Jesus said, repent. Everybody said repent. Jesus said repent. We're talking about doing what Jesus said so we can get that miracle that we need. Running out the door. Now no names again. I'm a protector of names. Confidentiality reigns with me. One dear, sweet young woman that we baptized here. 
went right out the door, got in the car, and started going to another church in another town. And we were like, what just happened? And we called and we appealed. And, but you know, one day, riding down the road on a 40-mile trip to somewhere, so somebody who says it but don't have it, by the way, has a nice title over the door but doesn't have it, doesn't practice it, doesn't believe it. Said to, she said, God spoke to me and told me to turn around and come right back here. I'm telling you, you get to the door and sometimes, what, 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 what was the instruction again? What was that you said? Some people come and they get a little prayer at the altar and boom, they're out the door and they've, they've got that feel-good feeling and you come around here, you're going to get that feel-good feeling because we minister to your inner person in the Holy Ghost and he knows what you really need to feel. He knows what you need to experience. And he, in a sense, he is trying to give you an appetizer. He's trying to let you know the main course is on the way if you'll listen to what I'm going to tell you. And it's simple and it's easy. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. That is the rule of thumb. He said, repent. And so we have to repent. He said, except you repent. This same Jesus, in this same chapter and verse, he said, except you repent. It's a necessity. It's a must. Except you repent. He said, you're going to perish. You're going to perish. That means you're going to be lost all of eternity so no need to argue no need to try to negotiate no need to try to double talk New York your way around this he said except you repent kind of like when he said except you're born again of water and the spirit you know there are there is that which is very necessary and so he said repent how about we do what Jesus said. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Whatsoever he's saying, do it. He said, repent. Now, does anybody find that word difficult? Because I can break it down for you, okay? But I think most of you here are of a very reasonable intelligence. And I think that you know repent not only means to be sorry. It does mean that. And it even talks about a godly sorrow not just a superficial, yeah, man, I'm sorry. You know, it's kind of like when one of these guys gets crossways with one of the other guys and he bops him in the nose and then he sees the blood and he says, oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry I did that. And about 15 seconds later, they're back playing b-ball or something and pops him again in the nose. The other nostril starts bleeding. He wasn't sorry. He didn't repent. See, because you you got to really be sorry to the point that you don't do it anymore. You change the pattern, okay? We get a change in the direction in which we're heading. We repent of the crowd that we've been hanging with. We repent of the words or the language that we've been using. We repent, we're sorry, and we turn away from those things that we've been involving ourselves in that are continuing to bring a hard darkness into our lives and leading us more and more into confusing ways. Jesus said, 
So we can't just blow by that. We can't just graze over that. We got to stop at that mile marker, at that sign, and we've got to do that thing. We've got to do that. It's, it's Jesus said, except you do it. So it's vitally important. And everybody said amen. Everybody said repent. So we got that one. Simple and easy. All right. Nothing, no complex mathematical formula there. Simple and easy. It's kind of like when the, your little child does something wrong, to, speaks badly to grandma or something, and you get that little child and you, and, little, <laughs> and you say, now you go over there and you give grandma a hug and a kiss. Simple and easy. You didn't tell her to go swim the English Channel or climb Mount Everest. You know, all of that's right here. If you make it difficult, I ain't going over, I ain't going. Well, you know, you're making it difficult. You're making a big mountain. You're making a mountain out of a molehill. It's this big, and you just made it this big. Because right here. So Jesus said, repent. Let's just do it. Let's just do what he said. Oh, then, how about we do what Jesus did? How about we take his example? What did Jesus do? John said, hey, look, here it comes. He is the Savior of the world. He is the Messiah. Not to mention that he's my cousin. We won't talk about that. Though. That was just according to the flesh. Okay, mothers with sisters. Okay, no biggie there. That was according to the flesh. Point is, in him dwell the fullness of the very God. Here he comes. Here he comes. He comes down to that river bank where John is baptizing people from all around the region. And Jesus tells him, I'm here to be baptized. And here goes John. Sometimes I have to hold the phone out here, and I'm looking at my wife going like this. I got some people I love, but, man, they just go around and around and around. And over. Well, just get to the point. Just get to the point. I ain't talking about y'all. Get to the point. So John the baptizer, he started, I have need to be baptized with thee. You coming to me baptize you? I need you need to baptize me. You know this could have got to be a real dialogue back and forth, you know, but Jesus just listening to him and kind of holding the phone away, a little exasperated with him. And finally, he broke in. He said, "John." Yes. He said, "Um, I'm here to fulfill all righteousness. So suppose you just do what I say, but you don't want no." But what about, no, can I do, no. <laughs> he just had to keep clipping them off. Just focus, John. I'm here to be baptized. I must fulfill all right. You're going to help me do what I'm supposed to do or not. Because if not, then I'm going to get somebody else. <laughs> but you're the man. You're the messenger. You're the one that's sent to pave the way. What about it? Okay, let's go. I'm ready. Water's here. You're here. Let's do it. And so, Jesus, we're going to do what Jesus did. Jesus was baptized. That's what your Bible said, Matthew chapter 3, for one place. Jesus was baptized. Isn't that wonderful? And then Jesus came straightway. Now, you've got to get in the water to come straightway up out of the water. And he came up out of the water. And the Bible said the heavens were opened over him. And that 
The Spirit of the Lord was kind to John, no doubt struggling a little bit. And he's kind to us. He does things to help us along. You've heard a little come along. He gives us a little come along. He gives us a little help. And the Spirit of the Lord descended in the form of a dove. And John said, I remember. I was told that when that happened, that would be a signal and a sign that this truly is the Messiah, the Christ. This is the right thing. This isn't hocus pocus butter beans and wild okra. This isn't fake and phony and spooky dust. This is the very thing. This is real. The light is shining. The darkness is getting out of here. And I'm seeing things clearly. I'm focusing in here. That was a showing to us that after you're baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, Number one, it's for the remission, the full pardon of all of your sins. And number two, that the heavens are opened up. See, when you come up out of the water, that's when you're born again of water. You're coming up out of the watery grave. You're leaving, you buried the old sinful nature. Now, that tells you why, one reason why you really needed to repent. Because we don't want to bury nobody alive, do we? We want to bury that dead, crucified nature that we said, I'm sorry, and I don't want to be that way or do that anymore. So I'm dead to that. I'm believing on your death, and I'm burying that thing in Jesus' name. And I'm getting a full pardon. A full pardon. And the Bible said, I want to notice that is going to be a familiar refrain around here. The Bible said, the Bible said, that after that Jesus had finished his earthly ministry, that he led them out, the disciples, well, 500 of them, he led them out to a place called Bethany in the Mount of Olives. And there he began to give them last-minute instructions above 500 of them. And in giving them those last-minute instructions, the Bible said he breathed upon them. And he commanded them to receive the Holy Ghost. The Bible teaches about 120 did what he commanded. And they went a little further down the road. They put in a little more effort. They ex exhibited or displayed a little more faith. And they went on down the road to where he told them to go. And the Bible said they were, in short, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They all began to speak in another language or tongue as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Somebody said, well, I've seen that. Ain't nothing but phony. Well, you know, there is plenty of phony out there. Don't look for me to argue with you about that. Plenty of phony out there. Plenty of fake out there. You know, I, I, I think I got a dollar in my pocket. There's plenty of fake ones of these out there, too. But I don't plan on throwing this one away because I'm pretty sure it's pretty good. I think I'll hang on to this one. You get my point? Okay. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, honey. You don't throw the good out with the bad. You don't disbelieve that there's a real God doing a real thing because there's somebody out there playing church. You hear me? You are looking for what Jesus said is simple and easy. And the Bible, what you come down to and what I'm saying is, you want a miracle, then you got to do what he said. And you do what he said, he said repent. You do what he did, you follow his example, you get baptized, just like he did. 
and then you obey his commandment and you receive the Holy Ghost, which is the Spirit of Jesus Christ, being sent into your believing heart. And when you believe in your heart, you will confess with your mouth. You will begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance. I'm sorry, but Romans does not contradict the book of Acts. It explains it further. Explains it further. Everybody said, Praise the Lord. You can remain standing. But there was a fear expressed by the apostle. And he said, I'm so jealous of you. I'm jealous over you. It's a godly jealousy, he said. It's not that I'm jealous because you got something out. No, no, no. That's not what he was saying. Not at all. He's saying, I'm protective of you. I care about you. I'm concerned about you. I have a burden for you. I want you to be saved, not lost. And he said, you better learn the lesson I'm going to teach you now. He said, because that old serpent, he's very crafty. He's very cunning. He's full of guile. He's, he can speak with great swelling words, and he can put on the dog, and he'll spin for you and shake his head a certain way, and, and he'll, he'll, you know. <laughs> if, if I start imitating what I'm thinking right now, oh, boy. But, you know, I always get worried. Back, I, I was raised up in the day when they had these long, round records. Some of them were smaller, but most of them were bigger. And <clears throat> you had a phonograph. I know you're all looking at me like, what? Okay, I had a phonograph. I, well, I already told you my age, so I might as well prove it. <clears throat> so, uh, and, and, and it had an arm, the phonograph, and on the arm it had a little, it looked like a point, a pin, okay? And, and the pin played on the record when the record went around. And somehow in there, there was words, okay, okay, and the singing. And uh, it would somehow make it through that little needle and come out those speakers. And, uh, but every once in a while, if you didn't treat your records right, you know, you threw them around or didn't put them in their dust covers or whatever, they'd get scratched. Or maybe you were not paying attention, you bumped the photograph, the phonograph, and that, that needle just across the whole thing and just made a big scratch. Well, every time you play it, then he says, I got, I got, I got. That's where rap came from. I got, I got, I got. That's where they got the idea, see. <laughs> so <laughs> so <clears throat> I get a kick out of people want to put themselves into things and push God out, you know. And they're, ah, 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 ah. Is the needle stuck? What's going on here? What's the problem here? You know? And we get... In our humanness, we get moved by that. <laughs> you know, and here's Jesus moving, and ain't nobody. So it's very important that we do what he says and that we realize it's simple and it's easy. Okay? You don't have to get on your head and spin around three times, even though I know you guys can do that. But it's not required. And gargle peanut butter and blow three inch bubbles of wisdom gum. Those are not requirements in the Bible for salvation. Let's just do what he said. Let's not add to it, and let's not take from it. Let's not try to substitute our human spirit. Oh, I can't sing so good. Well, good for you. I sing terrible, but he loves it because he said for me to make a joyful noise. And when I sing, I get joyful. Nobody else does. Running out of the house. They used, used to tell me all the time, stay out of the mic when we're singing. I can't help it. I'm up here, and I'm feeling what's happening, and I want to sing along. 
nobody else wants me to sing alone. <laughs> but that's all right, because we're in God's house this morning, and I don't want you to get moved by human spirit, human emotions, and somebody putting on the dog and all that kind of junk. I want you to respond to what Jesus has got for you. You know, all that other stuff, they were, in, they were still in darkness. They were still in confusion. Uh, they brought people and said, Jesus, can you do something with this? Because we can't do nothing with it. Old Testament example, they cut themselves and they, and they said all kinds of so-called prayers and incantations and jumped up and down and beat each other pretty much to a bloody pulp. And the prophet stood back and said, well, you all had, had your time. He said, maybe your God took a vacation. Maybe he's sleeping power nap time, you know. And he mocked them, made fun of them. And, you know, we do try not to do that. We want everybody to be saved. And we're so blessed out of billions of people that he has opened our understanding to his word. But if you're looking for some Einstein-like buried tr truth, get buried behind all kinds of 26-letter words, anti-disestablishmentarianism, just learn nothing, you know, I want it simple and I want it easy. I want you to bring it to the point. Don't do this to me, Jesus. Don't, don't let them drown me with a whole bunch of theology because that's why they lined the street and they threw a parade for Jesus because he was direct in his approach. And he brought it simple and he brought it easy and he brought to them something they could comprehend and understand. I was preaching at a church in South Bay one time and I just went because the woman came here and her father died and we went over there and we were the cream and the Oreo cookie. You got me? And we sat, we didn't know we were young. There was a time. And we walked in there, and we sat on the bare front row. We're just sitting there, just waiting. Next thing we know, they come in, sing it, which is nothing wrong with that. Came in, sing it, and the coffin behind me. I said, uh-oh, I guess we were supposed to be there. We weren't supposed but we didn't know. So they came in, and they got everything set up. Somewhere along the line, they asked me if I'd like to come up and say something. I went up to the pulpit, and I do what I do. I preached. And when I got done, I didn't sing. I knew had sense enough not to do that. <laughs> I left that to the singers. But I, I preached. And when I, you got to do what you're called to do, you know. So when I got done preaching, while I was preaching, as a matter of fact, a woman in the back, I don't know who she was, all of a sudden she spoke up. She said, now that I can understand. And that's just how she said it. She didn't whisper it. She said, and that I can understand. <laughs> well, you know what? That's how Jesus intended it to be. That's how he designed it. Let's talk about a God that hung the sun, the moon, and the stars, that made the atoms and the molecules, that gave you the kind of brain that can handle more information than the Empire State Building filled with files. And I'm telling you, you want to get complex? He can get complex. But he said, I'm making it simple. I'm making it easy. I'm stooping down to you and getting on your level. Repent. Get baptized in Jesus' name and receive the Holy Ghost. It could be simpler and easier than that. Everybody said amen. The only part you got to do is repent. Brother Williams will baptize you. And we always bring him back up. We're going to do one this morning. Look, good Lord willing. I mean this afternoon. Long-winded preacher is that. And then, and then God is going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray for you. But God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Don't look for me give you a card to sign I read in the paper the other day somebody put in an ad I happen to know them they're from over on the coast my wife saw it and showed it to me 
Prayer of salvation. Bow your head. Hmm. I never read that in the body had to do that. But anyway, okay. Bow your head. Um, accept Jesus, the Messiah, I into your heart and believe. And, and you, you will be saved and you can get ready for to go to heaven. Okay. Cool. Guess I'll go back to my beer now. Get me another shot. Yep. Same old me. You know, it's like that big crusader guy that went down to Australia. When they got done, they said 50,000 made a decision for Christ. 30 days later, the government said they ain't changed at all. This is a heart changing, a nature changing experience. This is not fake. This is not man-made. This is not some kind of tradition or commentary. This is a real thing. And Jesus is going to give you a new day. You're going to put off sin and you're going to put on Christ. You're going to become a new creature, a new creation. The creator of heaven and earth is going to create a brand new you. And I, I could say I don't know about you, but really I do. But I needed that. I needed to be a brand new me. My wife will second that one for you. That was a joke. We was about to go opposite directions. We needed something to happen. Something good to happen. And you know what? I started reading this book. And the more I read this book, before I ever got to the simple and easy about repenting and getting baptized and receive the Holy Ghost, before I got to that, just reading the book, worked on construction, I was learning, and a little little boy came running out in the yard at lunchtime, and I'm laying on his front yard, you know, we're redoing the house, whatever we're doing, I'm laying in the front yard at lunchtime, and I'm reading, reading the Bible. I have my long hair, believe, that's hard to believe, I know I'm stretching your faith, but the long hair was hanging back, you know, and the Buddha was hanging around my neck, and, you know, had them rubber pants. and all that drugs and all that garbage and didn't have nothing but confusion and darkness and hard time but now I'm reading the Bible little boy came out in the yard saw me there ran back and I said mama 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 there's a hippie out there in the yard reading the Bible well, it was better than being out there like that guy token we won't call his name <laughs> oh yeah better than that and, you know it wasn't too long I begin to read, and every time I ask a question, they say, "Here, read it for yourself." And I'd open, I'd read. They point my finger to it, and I'd read it. And you know, I challenged a man not too long ago. Well, one among many, but I said, I, he just. I gave him a forty-five minute Bible study on the phone, and uh, I said, "Listen," he kept coming back with the same tradition and the same nonsense. It was like I never quoted the Word of God. He just came back and said something natural. And he wanted to talk about, "Oh, did you know, old brother, so and so in 1944?" The Word of God just went, whoosh, went whoosh, right through like a laser, one ear and the other, right through. And so, like he never heard it, like I wasn't even talking. Finally, I said, listen, I said, how about you get down on your knees tonight before you go to bed, pray. And I said, and you open your Bible right on your bed, lean over it, and you pray and say, God, I'm reading Acts 2.38 right now. Would you please help me to focus on it and obey it? Then Peter said unto them, 
repent, that means you, and be baptized, every one of you, that means you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, that means you, and you, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. How about we just do what he said? Forget all the other. We'll get to something else later. But let's get the most necessary. You must accept. You must accept you be born again. Of water. Baptized in Jesus' name in water. Receive the Holy Ghost of the born of the Spirit. Repent, Jesus said. Be baptized, every one of you. That's every nation, every language, every race, everybody. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. That means the full, full pardon of sins. And he said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Suppose we just, suppose you walk around all week long and say, I've got to repent, and then i got to get baptized in Jesus' name, and then i got to receive the Holy Ghost. And you just keep, you know, they talk about their mantra. You know, they want to, mm, you know, never mind them, mm, how about Jesus? Help me here to focus on what you said to do. Help me not to run out the door and miss the instructions here because then I'm not going to get my miracle. And the greatest miracle you're going to get is the miracle of you being born again, of you being not just generically born again. You know, people say if you believe, and they have no idea how to biblically believe. It's just a, a human definition. You want the Bible you want what Jesus is promising you, and you don't want to miss that for anything. Let's lift our hearts with our hands. She begins to sing. We'll worship God here a moment. What about we do what he said, and then we do what he did, and then we take his commandment and get that? How about we do You got a chance now. Give your heart to Jesus. He will take you home. Disciples didn't argue with the church. They went and did what he said. And it brought about a miracle in their lives. It benefited everybody. How marvelous it was to be present. To be in the presence of a miracle taking place. Behold it with their eyes. To feel it, to touch it, to taste it. Have you never read where it said, taste and see that the Lord, He is good? Touch, to feel after Him, to touch. For He's not far from any one of us. To draw near to Him, and He will draw near unto you. Many precious promises in God's Word. Let's do what Jesus said. Let's repent. Let's do what Jesus did. Let's get baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And let's do as Jesus commanded. Let's receive the Holy Ghost. That is believing, by the way. That is Bible believing. That's New Testament Bible salvation. Don't let the word go 
over your head. It's simple and it's easy. I want everybody to begin to gather around the front for prayer. We've got one to baptize. All the men over here, all the ladies over here. Come in close.